millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting for more information. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, March 11th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a Jackson landmark is just one presidential signature away from becoming part of the National Park Service. Learn more from the current caretaker of the Medgar Evers Home Museum. Then we'll hear the story of a Mississippi man who uses his experience with autism to raise awareness in his community. He says it's an ability, not a disability. Plus, State Fire Marshal Mike Cheney is with us to talk about the importance of fire safety. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Jackson home of civil rights activist Medgar Evers is a step closer to becoming a national monument. A spokesperson with the National Park Service says Evers Jackson home is included in a federal bill awaiting President Donald Trump's signature. The bill authorizes the Park Service to buy the property. Minnie White Watson is the curator at the home, which is a museum. There she met our Desiree Frazier. I think it's a wonderful thing. I have mixed feelings about it. I hope too much doesn't change. You know, sometimes this is a small house. Sometimes uh, when things become under park service, they don't allow you to enter. So I'm hoping that doesn't change, that you'll be allowed to enter, because that's how you get the feel of this, where this family actually lived. This is just not a, a monument. A family was here. And so I'm hoping they will continue to allow people to enter, And I have no idea if this will happen, but I am so in hopes that they will be able to help some of the people in this neighborhood. You have about at least four families, maybe more, but I'm sure of four, that lives here now, that lived here when Maggie Evers was here. The house in front of this, this lady was here then. Uh, The man that actually took Maggie Evers to the uh, hospital that didn't want to accept him. You have uh, his widow is still here. So I'm hoping that they would do some things, uh, help the people in the neighborhood do some things to their property because uh, the neighborhood is really going down. This was a beautiful neighborhood. Just think about it. These were your first houses that, as we said then, colored people lived in, that the colors were beautiful. These were the first houses would uh, add on carports. And so then the other historic thing, these were two young black World War II veterans who had on this little street, you might say, just this property on this street for a lot of years and had been trying to build houses, as I said, the better houses for blacks, for colors. And the city would not allow them to do it simply because this street, I like to use the term sandwich between two white streets. I think he would be so proud to know that they're considering his street uh, his house for as, as, as a historic site, not because um, he lived here, 
but it just shows how we can, if we work together, change things. When you heard that he had been killed outside of his home, that had to be devastating. Of course it was, to not only me, you think about his family and then to a lot of others. And it's like, what do we do now? This man had gone and, and fought in World War II, participated in the Normandy invasion and all that stuff, and then you come home and they won't let you vote, won't even let you register to try to vote. They're still denying you the things that you know you have a right to. So after his death, you said that his wife, Merle Evers, was frightened and oh, didn't want to stay was. here. She was frightened, and then um, she has three kids she's trying to raise, and then she talked about people were still bothering. This is, people were still bothering me and my family. So she left this house. She left this house. Uh, this is what she said. I had some white friends in Claremont, California. And they encouraged me to come there. We know she sold Mega's car, some of her furnishings, and the local and national NAACP and friends helped her get out of here. You said the house was rented out twice and then it stood empty and was becoming dilapidated. Exactly. She said that she knew she wouldn't be coming back. She didn't think she was coming back to Mississippi. If so, not to this house. And could you blame her? And tell us a little bit about how Tulu ended up with the house. You said there was a movie that used this this uh, Rob, location. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner, exec, uh, executive director and producer, wanted to use the house for some of the scenes, The Ghost of Mississippi. Whoopi Goldberg played Mrs. Evers. And so to use the house, they asked, got Tugaloo's permission because they would, they said, we will furnish the house. And when we leave, we will leave most of the furnishings here. And a, no, a small donation, and that's how this came about. When Meg was moved in here, people started driving through the neighborhood, and I don't mean black people, colored people, coming through the neighborhood. They didn't have to come down this street to get to, to have uh, entrances and exits, but they knew Meg Evers was in here. And the neighbors, these people were professional. You had your lawyers, your doctors, your teachers, your first-time business owners. And so we're in here. This is what we're saying. I'm saying it for them. We are in here. We finally got able to have a decent house, a nice house. And here come Mega Evers in his politics. And he was interrupting the flow. And things began to happen. The car's driving through. A fire bomb was thrown under his carport. Someone tried to come in on him through the back door. All of these kinds of things. The house being shot into more than once. And the neighbors talk about cars just coming through. White people. They didn't have to come through the street. What do you want people to take away from this? The museum and the National Park Service coming in to take it over. I want them to know that this was a family living here. Trying to live in peace. And the powers that be were not allowed to happen. This was a man who said he knew. He said, but if he had to give up his life, then he was willing to do that. Minnie White Watson is curator of the Medgar Evers Home Museum in Jackson. She spoke with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Coming up, this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fresh Air, Barbara Brown Taylor, an ordained Episcopal priest who became a professor of religion. 
She talks with us about how exposure to the world's religions affected her students and the impact it had on her own faith. Her new memoir is Holy Envy, Finding God in the Faith of Others. Join us. Today at 3 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. More than 47,000 people in Mississippi are living with an intellectual or developmental disability, according to the Mississippi Department of Mental Health. Taylor Corley of Sumrall is a host of a YouTube show called Chit Chat Thursday with Taylor. He also works with the Institute for Disability Studies at the University of Southern Mississippi. The aspiring writer tells MPB's Jasmine Ellis, living with autism is part of who he is, but it doesn't define him. I have autism. It doesn't define who I am, and it makes me special. It makes me who I am. And my thought perspective is a lot different. That's all about it, really. And social interaction. So I had to really learn a lot of and um, gain opportunities that IDS given me to become a better advocate to speak for myself. I had to find my voice. Can you talk to me about how you found your voice? Well, it started at Tried AmeriCorps, the pilot, like the first year. Tried AmeriCorps focuses on national service in the community, And for that, AmeriCorps, it was about transitioning to adulthood, so getting an adult doctor, getting a job. So he went out in the community teaching schools or going out to conferences and teaching people, hey, you can do this. And we had skits. We like right and wrong. We do the wrong way and then education, and then we do the good way to show them the example. So that's really helped me find my voice. It given me opportunities that pushed me to go beyond my boundaries, which I really loved. And then that's how I became an advocate to find my voice. I had to gain the skills just like anybody else. Like, you go to school. You were telling me earlier that you're the self-advocacy coordinator with the Institute of Disabilities at the University of Southern Mississippi, correct? Can you talk to me about that, how important that is to you? As a self-advocacy coordinator, it is my job to help with the programs and grants here at IDS And also go out into the conferences or out when somebody asked me to come and speak for them. Like I would tell my story, how I became a self-advocate. And I help and mentorship other people with disabilities here at IDS. What are some of your hopes and dreams? Can you talk to me about that? Well, I have a lot of dreams. I like writing and I like writing stories. I also want to continue working at IDS, helping people in the disability world just like me. doesn't matter what disability you have. I just want to show the world that even with a disability, you can do anything you set your mind to. And also, for another dream, live independently, live on my own, because I'm already fully independent. I drive around back and forth to work. I take care of my own finances. I go to my doctors. I make the appointments. It's just the next step in the future would be and to be living on my own independently and be financially successful in life. Have a good savings, you know, save money. Also, my, a third one was um, I like to write. I love writing stories. You know, like have you ever read Harry Potter or any other books like fiction? 
I science have. fiction or fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I mean by writing. I love writing stories. It's because I guess being autistic, I'm just, it opened my creative side and I love to be creative and make stuff. I wanted to also go back to the beginning when you were talking about how having autism makes you special. Can you uh, explain that to me? So I think my disability makes, is an ability. My disability, here's my quote, by the way, if you want to write that down. A disability is an ability. I'm just like everybody else. I say that to people because it don't matter what disability you got. It's an ability. Some people think, oh, a disability is an ability, but no, it makes the character who they are. It makes them be able to do stuff that you would never think of. You said it's an ability, not a disability. You said it does things that people might not even think of. What are some of those things? Yeah. Like, like there's a lot of people with a disability that are celebrities. Like Asperger's, the person who created Pokemon had Asperger's. There are people in this world with a disability that you would never think of, would have one, and that makes them who they are. My friends like Rachel, Zach, I mean Nathan, I can enlist all my friends. Each of them have an ability that makes them special in who they are. What do you want people to know who might not have um, a disability? Yes. What would you What would you like them to know? Well, the first things first. Treat everybody like how you would like to be treated. Just because they might, you could probably tell. You could tell physical disability or Down syndrome. Some of those disabilities are visible. You could see it, but with autism, you may not see it. Or another disability. I mean, there's some disabilities you would not know that you can recognize by looking at it. So I recommend treating people like everybody else. And if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask. Because I had that yesterday. Somebody asked me about the disability world, and I told them. I told them the advice of if somebody came up to you and they have a disability, just treat them like anybody else. And if they, if you had questions, it depends on the person. Some might not want to answer it, but some will be like, sure, I'd be happy to explain you what this disability is and, and all that. For me, you can ask me anything about a disability, about autism. I can tell you what it's like. Taylor, is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to add? Would you like some advice? Sure. Well, my advice to people is to always find those open doors to new opportunities. And this is my favorite quote in a movie, Life's a Box of Chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So life is just like that. You never know, and you got to be you got to be very brave and open those doors. You might be scared, but always ask and be engaged in your community. That's the way to succeed or go out and have fun. Just like anybody else, you want to go to the movies, you want to go do this and that. You just got to branch out. Just do it. And I, and I promise you, you will find these opportunities that will make your life better. Taylor, thank you so much for just sharing your story with us. We appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. March is Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. Coming up, State State Fire Marshal Mike Cheney talks about the importance of fire safety. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Sport is designed to be a binary. We have boys and we have girls. We have men's, we have women's. For some high school students across the country, that no longer makes sense. People in the stands were saying, you know, come on, ladies, let's go, girls. And not everyone out on the ice that day was a girl. 
That's next time on The Takeaway from WNYC and PRI. Today at 2 on MPB Think Radio. A-N-I-M-O-S-I-T-Y, Animosity. F-U-R-L-O-N-G, Furlong. C-O-N-J-E-C-T-U-R-E, Conjecture. T-O-B-O-G-G-A-N, Poggin. Don't miss the annual statewide Spelling Bee, live on Tuesday, March 19th at 10 a.m., exclusively on MPB Television. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's top fire official is working to raise awareness about fire safety across the state. Fire Marshal Mike Cheney is also the state insurance commissioner. Seventy-nine Mississippians died in fires last year. That's up considerably from the year before. One thing Cheney says will help is making sure every home is equipped with a working smoke detector. We will start back with 22,000 smoke alarms that will be distributed during the year of 2019. To anyone that wants one, uh, all they have to do is to call their local fire department or volunteer department, and we will have a smoke alarm installed for you. We also have some other things that we're doing with this campaign to uh, prevent fire deaths, and it's simply called Turn Your Attention to Fire Prevention. We have three ladies in the state. Uh, It's not enough, but we have three that go out to the schools throughout the state of Mississippi and try to educate the children in our state. Uh, about Firedales. And if you can teach a child to say, uh, turn around, don't drown when you have floods, you can teach a child to say, stop, drop, and roll if they catch on fire or meet by the mailbox, get out and stay out of a house that's on fire, they will go home and tell their parents about it. Yeah, kids are pretty good at at, uh, taking their parents, taking the information to their parents of what they learned at school. They are. They're amazing uh, little educators, and they, they, uh, they tend to understand what keeps them safe, and that's important for us to to utilize that. It not only helps the child, but it helps the parents and the whole family. So it's a, it's a big deal for us to get out and have a campaign to educate children. It seems, and maybe I'm wrong, correct me, but it seems that when there's a fire death, it's usually an elderly person. And it's one person. Is that true? In Mississippi, uh, over half of the fire deaths that we've had occur with people that are over 55 years of age. That's usually because um, they have no one to pay attention or to remind them not to get too close to an open flame, especially a heater. They have no one to remind them to change the battery uh, and the smoke alarm if it needs to be changed. The new, by the way, the new smoke alarms have a permanent battery that lasts upwards of 10 to 15 years, really? and you can't remove them and use them for anything else. So they're a lot better than they used to be. So, uh, and elderly folks sometimes do not have hearing aids, and they may, uh, may be a little bit hard of hearing, and they tend to sleep more. So if you have a fire, uh, smoke deaths. Uh, are normally what causes uh, someone to die that's over 55. It's not the fire itself. It's usually from inhalation of smoke. you got to remember smoke's heavier than air, and it stays in your lungs, and you suffocate. The other issue with those over 55 is we have a lot of um, fire deaths due to kitchen fires, and that's usually during the holidays. How do you hope to reach 
those over age 55? Here's what we're doing. We are working with AARP uh, to have a program to uh, in their mail-outs and in their magazines that they mail out for uh, elderly and for members that are, are of the AARP to remind them about fire deaths and what we do and what they can do to prevent a fire death. There's six simple little steps that they use, and that includes things like fire extinguishers, uh, keep a cookie pan close in the kitchen in case you have a grease fire, don't try to put water on it, just, just little common sense things. And then we have a program where our outreach coordinators, the three ladies in the state, during the summer will be holding um, meetings with all of the ARP chapters throughout the state and through other social organizations and um, civic organizations to try to get the word out about how to save a life and to prevent fire deaths in the state. Are there more incidences of fire, home fires and injuries and death during cold weather in Mississippi? There are more injuries during cold weather, and that's usually due to the misuse of equipment. Uh, we've had, we even had schools, public schools, that have used open propane heaters in their hallways, which is extremely dangerous. So we, we've worked very closely with the local uh, municipal fire departments and their fire marshals. We work very closely with the city of Jackson and the uh, fire chief in the city of Jackson. And you got to remember that um, the local municipalities are the ones that we go to when we really need help with schools, municipality schools. And then if you have county school systems, we work with the boards of supervisors uh, through our rural fire truck program to get the word out. How does someone determine how many smoke alarms they need in their home to have complete coverage? They can uh, ask or they can, if you're smart about the Internet, you can Google it. Uh, but you can also ask your local fire department. They'll be glad to help you. Uh, normally, you need more than one. You definitely need one in the kitchen, and you need one close to your bedroom so that you will wake up during the night if you have a fire during the night. Uh, I, I, I want to say that one of the worst things that we have that causes fire deaths in our state are cheap extension cords where people will use a $1.79 extension cord made overseas, bought from a dollar store because it's cheap and they run a 1,500-watt heater on it, and it just actually overheats and melts, and that causes a lot of the fires in our state. How do you know if your extension cord is sturdy enough to handle that kind of thing? You want to you wanna look at an extension cord that has a UL uh, label on it that's a little yellow label. It's plastic stuck around the cord itself. It's called Underwriters Laboratory, and it says it's approved for wattage up to so many watts, and you definitely want to buy a extension cord and extension cord that is UL rated. So we would say look at it. It's very simple to do. Don't buy one because it's cheap. Buy something that will be there and it will last a lifetime and save your life at the same time. And finally, of the 22,000 smoke detectors or smoke alarms you'll be giving out, where can people access those? People can access a smoke alarm by calling their local fire department and they will give you a smoke alarm and come and install it. Mike Cheney is the state insurance commissioner and the state fire marshal. Again, the campaign is called Turn Your Attention to Fire Prevention. Thank you so much, Commissioner Cheney. Thank you, Karen. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's At Issue on Think Radio. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores, or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. 
I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. MPB just got better. Visit mpbonline.org slash support. Change donors are now change sustainers with instant benefits like passport streaming video and home delivery of our fine-tuning program. If you'd like to give a set amount every day, now you can. Donations are charged directly to your card, which means you can earn points and a tax deduction. Visit mpbonline.org slash support and become an MPB change sustainer today. On the next Fresh Air, Barbara Brown Taylor, an ordained Episcopal priest who became a professor of religion. She talks with us about how exposure to the world's religions affected her students and the impact it had on her own faith. Her new memoir is Holy Envy, Finding God in the Faith of Others. Join us. Today at 3 on MPB Think Radio. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB.